You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host this week. We are pleased to present to you two incredible women who have created this documentary, which was eye-opening for me and certainly will be for you. And for some of you, you may be familiar with a computer program called Mavis Beacon from back in the day. Well, there's a documentary that is coming out soon from Neon called Seeking Mavis Beacon. One of the most influential women in technology is a figment of our collective imagination. Mavis Beacon was created in Silicon Valley to sell the world's most popular typing software. But the Haitian woman who modeled for the program disappeared from the public eye, following two DIY e-girl investigators searching for the unsung cultural icon. Seeking Mavis Beacon poses questions regarding digital security, artificial intelligence, and representation. We have on this episode, director Jasmine Jones and associate producer Olivia Michaela Ross to talk about this incredible documentary that premiered over at Sundance. If you're familiar with Mavis Beacon or you're just a fan of all things STEM and technology and AI and all of those things, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring the investigators and creators behind Seeking Mavis Beacon, Jasmine Jones and Olivia Michaela Ross. Jasmine, Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Owner. I really appreciate it. I absolutely loved this documentary, uh, Seeking Mavis Beacon. I learned so much and I really appreciate you bringing this art into the world and sharing it with the rest of us. Congratulations, first of all, your premiere at Sundance, and also the fact that Neon has acquired this film so that the rest of the world can get a chance to see this film. Um, because as I mentioned prior to the recording, I had never heard of Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing, and I'm sure that there's a number of people that have not heard of this software, but there are a lot of people who have heard about it, which I'm sure has prompted you to go on this journey. Um, starting with you, Jasmine, you know, seeing a black woman's face as the face of an educational software program can certainly have an impact on young um, black girls learning how to type. What specifically was it about Mavis Speaking Teaches Typing that resonated with you so much? Mm. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for all the praise and affirmation. It's really good to hear, and especially, I mean, you're our target audience, so <laughs> it means a lot. Um, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of Silicon Valley in the 90s when I think 
we were in that like melting pot time of racial politics. Uh, and so it was very much like colorblind. I don't see color. Um, and I think for me as an eight-year-old who was like seeing Mavis Beacon on screen, it was just such a seamless integration. You know, it's one of those things where at the time I wasn't like, there's this black lady. I'm like, there's this woman. She feels like someone in my family. Um, there in the interface when I see the hands that are either her hands it's like but those could be my hands too you know so I think it was just really important um to see someone who looks like you especially Olivia has hinted at this a lot too but you know desktop computers there was nobody in my house who was an expert on technology and so um in terms of learning how to communicate and express myself online Mavis Beacon was the conduit and to use Olivia's term the cyber doula that really allowed me to have a, I think a positive relationship with technology and I'd also like to highlight like so much of this film is leaning into things that I have anxiety and imposter syndrome about specifically like I would never refer to myself as being tech savvy uh, and I also am like constantly trying to navigate my own relationship with my belief in magic and spirituality and so this project has been a great way to kind of explore the things that I've been told are not for me <laughs> and I, I want to toss that same question over to you Olivia what yeah. was it about this software that resonated with you so much I think um there is definitely like a level of just like excitement to like have I guess like a confirmation that like a lot of these technologies like that feel like super alien and outside of us like did originate with black people and that in so many ways like like blackness it like inspires I think I myself like don't have super clear memories of playing Mavis Beacon um, around the time when I was learning how to type. It was like a real part of school curriculums, but they had much more boring softwares to teach you how to do it. Um, but like thinking back just like from like a media heritage and like archival position of just like how important it is that for so many people, like their gateway into like a modern relationship with computers was like through like, the body and, like, this, like, incarnation of, like, a dark-skinned black woman who was, like, in some ways an expert and, like, this typing prodigy tutor who, like, gave a celebrity endorsement to a software and then, on the other hand, like, was serving this kind of cyborg servitude role of, like, being an assistant at the same time. And I think that that relationship is something that specifically like black feminism is like so equipped to analyze and to like teach Silicon Valley about and has been if they would listen to us <laughs> um, and yeah I feel like really excited about like the conversational opportunity that it creates this was you know going back to you Jasmine this was such an emotional journey for you um, seeking Mavis Beacon when shooting wrapped what was your initial feelings about your research and where you landed um, and what are your feelings now as you're in the press phase of uh, promoting this documentary um, let me get the camera set up um, yeah, it's, you know, there's that question that filmmakers like to ask, like, when is a film finished? Uh, and considering that we started the editing process while we were still, you know, doing the investigation, uh, and then the idea of, like, we just kind of transitioned into editing 
But there was always the idea of like, well, if we need to do pickups, if we get a phone call from, you know, an important typing teacher, (laughs) (laughs) I'll pick that camera up. So I think it was kind of like, there was a lot of trust in the process. And also, I would say for the last year of the investigation, awareness of like, things may not work out how we wanted them to. Uh, And so you're watching me in the film make peace with that. And then also in the editing suite, it's like, okay, uh, I I think there are certain things I don't want to spoil too much, right. but I think that given this is an investigative documentary, there are certain members of the audience that are looking to be satisfied and have all of their questions answered. Um, and there's a lot of information that we found and had to parse through. Like uh, we answer some questions. <laughs> yeah. We answer we answer some, some questions, questions, and we're also throwing the questions right back at the audience. Um, but you know, there's a really strong politic behind this film. There's a, a message that I am trying to have people take away, and uh, it was really important as we're editing to make sure that the viewers not only felt like they were a part of this journey with Olivia and I, maybe, you know, using video game language, we are the avatars that are taking them on this journey, um, but also that they felt satisfied by that journey. And so, uh, however, Olivia and I felt about the results of the investigation on screen would dictate how the audience would also feel about the results of those uh, of the investigation. So it was... I, I'm talking in circles here and mysteries and riddles, but it was <laughs> it was good and complicated. And now uh, it's, you know, this process was really challenging. I am grateful that the film has maintained so much of the spirit of joy and magic because behind the scenes it was really arduous. And so it's just so refreshing to see uh, the film in audiences with re- real people, to see how it's resonating with real people, um, to see that all of the time that we spent... Uh, adding in like making this dense ass thing and all of the research like different people are pulling it apart so I'm just really excited to share this with the world yeah yeah I mean and I I don't want to spoil anything either but uh, you mentioned peace I mean do you feel at peace with what you've ended up with or where you've landed with this project you know I think when we talk about this film we favor the language of like investigation but Olivia and I truly understood this to be a wellness check and from that lens I feel great Uh and also I think um, I'm so grateful that Olivia agreed to go on this journey with me and to uh, allow me to film the process and that we're there because I do feel like uh, the only story that you really have the right to tell is your own and so because we've made this a personal documentary and you are there for the ride with us uh, I feel resolved I feel okay that being said, you know, my phone number, the hotline is still up. <laughs> you can still leave, you can still leave us a tip. Uh, and we, you know, all of the questions that I wasn't able to answer in the film, Olivia and I still have these ideas of like putting together an art installation or an educational guide, um, a manifesto that people can download. So all of the things that kind of got left on the cutting room floor, I've made peace with the fact where it's like, oh, we can share this information with the public because we, we're not just archivists on camera. We do want there to be, you know, a way. Like a living Mavis Beacon archive that like people and like the black girl nerds can like, you know, kiki about and like really enjoy um, going on the journey of like what is like both like Mavis Beacon's legacy, but it's also like all of our legacy. And there's really... In terms of like, yeah, black tech history, like, like she's up there with like Catherine, Catherine, 
Johnson. Johnson and stuff. No, like really, actually, I think same around time period um, of like the space race and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's really. I think. I think we all kind of deserve to appreciate that chronology, like, like Mavis Beacon, patron saint of <laughs> of typing touchbot. Like, actually, like mm-hmm. we. I think there's a lot that. Just the figure of Mavis Beacon herself is like owed in addition to Renee L'Esperance. Um, and I think it's cool that, like, I think it's cool just like from like a group, like an educational mm-hmm. and like heart healing standpoint to be able to like really sit and like bask in that archive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Throughout your journey to discover who Mavis Beacon is, we find out that there were white developers who were behind it. And um, there's this scene for you, Jasmine, where you get very emotional um, for when you meet them for the very first time. Can you share what filming was like for you that day? I love to talk about this. Yes, so it's interesting. Um, this was a really big day. We were meeting the developers. Olivia lives in New York, so I had to go. I had to go in alone, and. It is such an interesting exercise. On one hand, you know, I was so moved and emotional because I am truly appreciative of these developers, um, the product that they created, um, the thoughtfulness put into it. I think that it's an incredibly good product. Uh, in addition to, you know, I think it wouldn't have gone anywhere without Renee Lesperance's face, but I do think they had a good product that was integrating early AI. Um, and so that was really special. Uh, it's also really complicated to spend eight hours in someone's house with them and not see them as a human being. <laughs> um, and that being said, like, hey, check out the movie, but uh, they weren't, uh, there were some inconsistencies. There were some inconsistencies. And I think that it's part of the experience of being like a young black femme doing this work is people assume you haven't done your research. And so it's interesting when you're talking to people who are saying things that contradict um, <laughs> reports that are Googleable. <laughs> um, and so in some ways, uh, but then, you know, I walk away too and it's like I spent eight hours with these guys. Um, they're really excited that we're making this project. I hope that they're able to watch the film and feel like it is, um, you know, like I, I hope that they're still able to feel proud of what the, their technological contributions. And also I hope that they learn a little bit about like the representational politics of this character that they've created. Um, but ultimately, you know, Joe Abrams and Walt Belofsky, if you're reading this, let's talk next time I'm in the Bay. <laughs> How long was the process in searching for and uh, tracking down Renee? Um, and, like, who we find out... Um, oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't word this question properly. <laughs> um, how long was the, the research process in searching and tracking down Renee and how we ended up finding out who the real Mavis Speakin was? Um, so... <laughs> So, funnily enough, it was it was both long and short. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is not, like, the actual process of, like, what was Googled, what sites we used is not in the film, like, ideally. So people don't replicate us and, like, bother this woman. Um, but 
it actually is very um, the level of even if you scrub your digital footprint completely and you don't have social media and you don't have like a website presence, the amount of information that still gets collected about you from your like government records, from marriage licenses, driving driving insurance, like it's very actually quite accessible. Like using the right like open source tools um, in a way where once we like figured out the workflow it wasn't super difficult Mm -hmm. it was more so figuring out what are these tools and a lot of them are kind of like a little bit more obscure just by the nature of like yeah the whole like apparatus is like more familiar to like more carceral private investigators um and so we did the first blanket search of us like typing stuff into google and that was like stage one and then things got progressively more complex and then we had like multiple real life physical addresses to compare and see which one was most likely to be accurate and that kind of thing so when we arrive in front of you know people's homes that's off of information that we find on the internet that we're looking to confirm whether or not it's true because the profile associated with that information also has other information like phone numbers and stuff that's that's like assigned to that like identifier um because unfortunately the like surveillance infrastructure that we live around is really really robust and complete um but it also doesn't we were talking about this a little bit with some folks yesterday like it doesn't the the internet is both keeping very close tabs on us but is also forgetting us so like the things about like our human cultural heritage are that are like on youtube and twitter and like all of these places like aren't very protected and like are very liable to disappear at any moment but the things about us that can be sold and like used to market towards us are very very easy to find well listen jasmine Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. It's an honor and a privilege to speak to both of you. This film was compelling, educational. It was needed. I can't wait for everybody else to see it. Congratulations for your Sundance premiere. And uh, I really appreciate you speaking with us today. Thank you. Thank you. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.